Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by John Boy Media and DraftKings Sportsbook. My name is Justin Pennick, and with me today is my good friend Danny Boy King, Bobby Skinner. His grandfather's going through some health problems, so everybody say a little prayer for Bobby Skinner and family. Talking Giants versus the world. I got some good shirts, by the way. I just took the opportunity to promote shirts while talking about Bobby Skinner's grandfather who was in uh big health problems Absolute and having out. health troubles so bad bad guy move danny boy king you are joining me here today to talk about some giants and some edge rusher review outside linebackers how are you doing today my friend i'm doing good i mean hey, you got to sell out every chance you get got it got to get those paychecks up a little higher don't hate it but yeah. <laughs> but i'm doing good it's just upstate new york weather cold really cold snowing a lot of it do you have a do you have a basketball team up there? Uh we do. It's not good. Are they no. good? It's We're division good. free. They they we we just do they just do their thing. How much so we got a little snow in the tri-state area today. How much snow did you get up by you? We got like one we got two inches. Oh, definitely more than that. I woke up and it was like full on whiteout. <laughs> great. Great. You want to know what else is great news? Danny. This is great news. New Jersey had a big day today. The state of New Jersey had a big day. We'll get to some Giants news, and then we'll get to our edge rusher, edge rusher outside linebacker uh, review of the year. New Jersey had a big day today. First of all, they legalized weed, which cool Massive if you w like that for Jersey. Massive W. <laughs> Massive Gi- W. Giants fans are going to need that after watching this team next year. That is true. <laughs> Giants and Jets fans after the game, <laughs> instead of instead of kicking glass and smashing glass in the parking lot. So everybody, so I don't have to play. Uh, so I don't have to uh, act like it's a maze in the parking lot. So I don't run over glass. Just, just light one up, light one up. I love it. Um, fix all the problems. Fix all the problems, and then also there will be fifteen. And this is as of right now. So I mean, regardless, you know, there's percentages that came out where you can attend. You can we can start to attend sporting events today. I think it's ten percent indoor, fifteen percent outdoor. Regardless, the numbers are going to change by September. But what it means today is that we can celebrate that on February 22nd and on February 23rd, when everybody's listening and watching, we can celebrate that. Yes, we know for a fact that we are most likely going to Giants games in the fall, um, and that very much excites me. I have been blasting there. You know, Danny, there's been a reason. There's been a reason why I've been blasting back in the New York groove this past weekend. I was blasting. I was playing it over and over and over again. I was missing Giants games. You know, there's a reason. It's like uh, it's like my, my, my spidey senses were tingling. Everything was tingling in my body. Um, and we're, we're back, baby. We're back in the New York groove. I could be that guy. I'd be like, oh, technically it's a New Jersey group, but I'm not going to be that guy even though I just made the comment. No, I mean, I'm excited. Obviously, I don't care about New Jersey sporting events until, like, September when that's when the Giants will actually start, and that's when I'll focus on getting tickets. But just them starting now hopefully means it'll only get bigger. Maybe it could be, like, by the time Giants game start, maybe it's at 50%, 50%, maybe even above that at that point. And just to get into a football stadium would be great because the last sporting event I went to, I mean, I can't complain. My last sporting event was the Super Bowl, but I, it's been a year since I've been at a sporting event. And man, do do I miss it? That's why I'm so pumped. I know this is a Giants show, but to go to Mets games this year, but just to get back at Giants Stadium because those fans are wild. They're Giants fans are a different breed of people. Yeah, it's it's just it's a cool day. I mean, I don't know. I'm maybe I'm getting a little symbolic about it. You know, today like I was just celebrating all day. Like all caps, I tweeted back in the New York groove. Um, 
this weekend I tweeted out like my a picture from my seats. I did section 315, row 16, seats 13, 14. I tweeted that out from the Bleeding Blue account, and that was it. That was the tweet. Um, I, I don't know. I'm getting I'm getting a little symbolic. I'm I'm missing it. Number one, I'm kind of craving it, but also you know you know feeling like hopefully you know we're we're at the we're we're closer to the finish of this crappy year. This crappy you know 2020 and the crappy year that it's been kind of so far we're closer to the finish line than we are to the start and this is like a good feeling of like yes like we are we are kind of arriving at it so that's the big news apparently uh how do you interpret wayne goldman tweeting out a smiley face over the weekend uh i'm hoping it means he's coming back because i want him back but i know he's not coming back what but if I, I what know. if like down what if down deep he didn't like being a giant because really, if I were Wayne Gallman, I probably wouldn't enjoy being a giant. I probably wouldn't. Oh no! I mean, he's been disrespected by like multiple, like Pat Shermer. Literally, just he disappeared on a Pat Shermer. I still just don't understand play. to this day. I still don't understand. And I mean, he had that. He was he was great at twenty seventeen, but like he got no respect for what he did to help that team at least attempt to win. They didn't do much of it, but he attempted to help them win. Then obviously last year was. Saquon being injured was like the greatest thing to have it to him in a contract year. He looked like he could be a quality number one running back for some teams in the NFL. And I think maybe his agent said, Hey, some teams are interested in you and you're going to get a nice, nice fat contract. Nice, fat, fat, con- but- nice fat contract for running backs, which is unfortunate. It's unfortunate yes. for the position. It's unfortunate for them um, that, you know, they're very skilled football players, but NFL teams kind of aren't budging, but maybe there is a market for Wayne Gallman and maybe his agent kind of oh, maybe did give him the heads up. Hey, Wayne Gallman, there's going to be a little bit of a market for you. And maybe he got the tip that the giants are not going to want you back. So then he tweeted the smiley face saying, I'm done with this organization that didn't really give me a chance until they absolutely had to when their number one guy tore their ACL, um, which good for him, but also at the same time, Giants still do need a, a number two running back. So Alfred Morris does this also on front us out there. I think Wayne Gallman is going to be a jet. Hmm. They got the money. They need a running back affordable enough. Yeah. They're not, they're not going to go after a flashy guy again. No, no, no. Last time that happened, uh, <laughs> it, it went so wrong. It was amazing how wrong it went. Yeah, but that's a good option because you're talking about Jets trying to revitalize their offensive line. Wayne Gallman may be an efficient, he's definitely an efficient running back. If there's one thing that we learned this year, you know, from an offensive line that may not be working that well, he's an efficient guy that's just going to chip away and get a, you know, get a few yards. I don't know if the Jets are, the, I don't know if the Jets are going to be looking for home run hitters. So, you know, that, that, that may be a good signing. I like that prediction. Um, So Danny, I, I tasked you within the hour that we were told that we were recording together. I tasked you, I said, is, is there any news? And we thought of two and Simple Man Radio gave us the recommendation for the Wayne Gallman smiley tweet. And then weed being legalized, which is very prevalent to the Giants. And then MetLife Stadium. Possibly, you know, we're, we're going to be going to games. Is there any other news that we have to talk about? Uh, do we do we mention the Marcus Golden thing? Because like he we're going to we're going to okay. we're going to because it's it's very it's very important in talking about kind of like the philosophy of the Giants and particularly this Joe Judge and Patrick Graham coaching staff of how they approach their edge rushers. So we're we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. But first, Danny, your basketball team that you go you know you go to school, um, your basketball team probably not going to be making March Madness anytime soon, right? No, because they're Division Three. <laughs> Division Three. They'll never make it. What's your favorite college basketball team? Do you have one? Uh, 
I can't say I do. That's unfortunate. You know, I'm going to throw out a name. Uh, Wolverines. Wolverines. Michigan. Yes. I'm a Gonzaga fan. I, I'm a big fan. I've been to, I work at a Jesuit school. I went to a Jesuit high school four years, went to a Jesuit college four years. So now I'm on my ninth year of being like somewhat in a Jesuit institution. So Gonzaga, that's my, okay. that's my, that's the team that I've always kind of repped. Um, but it's just by affiliation. It's not because I actually like them, but Danny Boy King, it's not quite time for the madness of March. That is college basketball in March, but that doesn't mean the fun has to wait. Danny. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all new players the chance to cash $100. New customers can bet $1 on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. And if your team makes it, you can reign and you can bring in $100. That's right. All it takes is one three-pointer being hit by your chosen team to turn $1 into $100. Sounds like a no-brainer. This slam dunk of an offer won't be around forever, so head to the App Store now, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, and get in on all of the action. If basketball isn't for you, DraftKings Sportsbook has daily odds on hockey, soccer, and so much more. I've been told the Knicks are back. It's all that Nikki Snacks' tweets. Like, if you want to hear Nikki Snacks' analysis on the New York Knicks, um, it's him tweeting that the Knicks are back. So, there you go. That's that's what you're going to get out of him. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its customers since 2012. That's $7 billion with the B. So, they know a thing or two about big paydays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOHNBOY to get your shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. That's promo code JOHNBOY for new customers to get a shot at 100 to 1 odds on any, ba- any basketball team to hit a three-point shot only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older. NJ, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Winnings paid out in four $25 free bets. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or an Indiana 1-800-9 with it. Or in Virginia, 888-532-3500. Danny King, I always love hearing Tom Coughlin's voice, so let's take a break, even though we're early in the show. Take a break, and then let's talk about the edge position. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right. Welcome back to the show. Um, thank you, Tom Coffin, for always uh, bringing us back from our breaks. Fun what fact, Bleeding Blue, so, shameless plug. So many shameless plugs. I had to plug the Talking Giants versus the World shirts when Bobby's grandfather, I keep the news about Bobby's grandfather, and now I'm going to give the shameless plug for Bleeding Blue. We just uh, started to read the book, um, and I'm forgetting what it's called. Bad guy move again. Bad guy move. Ooh, hang on, we're gonna we're gonna stall here as Justin attempts to find a the team book to name. believe in. Oh, a team to believe in, of course. Tom Coughlin wrote a book in, about the 2007 Super Bowl team called A Team to Believe In, and Snacks is starting to like moderate the first couple chapters. So check out bleeding blue. We're on the talking giants, YouTube channel. We're also our own podcast. If you want to check us out and we talk about winning giants, football, 2007 giants, football, and Tom Coughlin, who doesn't like that. Danny King, Justin panic. We are reviewing the edge rusher spot. As the toilet gets flushed behind me. <laughs> that That's the perfect actually That describes the edge rusher position right now to perfection. <laughs> that's true. It's very true. So I'm going to read something. We're going to go player by player. Largely the order that we have everything in is in the, the percentage of the snaps that they played. Right. But nine players 
about nine players. Now, David Mayo lined up on, you know, lined up on the edge sometimes. You're always going to have Blake Martinez, you know, who, you know, lining up on the edge. You're going to have maybe Jabril Peppers, you know, Xavier McKinney, uh, or Logan Ryan, you know, coming in on blitzes. Maybe they're being counted as lining up by the edge. But we're counting nine players totally accumulating into the stats that I'm about to read, like nine edge rushers. Like think of the edge rusher position and who would count as like an outside linebacker um, on the Giants this year. Nine players, and this includes Marcus Golden as well. Total sacks, nine and a half. Nine players had nine and a half sacks <laughs> this year for the Giants. Total QB hits, 27. Total pressures, 55. Now, Danny, here is Leonard Williams' basic stat line from this year. 11 and a half sacks, which is two sacks more than nine total players had for the Giants' edge position. 30 QB hits, which is three more QB hits than Giants' edge, rush, edge rushers had. And 42 pressures, which is 13 pressures less than... Um, than what Giants edge rushers has. And if you're thinking, oh, well, 13 pressures is a lot. Well, the difference between Leonard Williams, you know, basically leading, you know, th this whole charge of the nine player total and himself, basically the difference is Kyler Fackrell had 14 QB pressures. So that's the difference right there. Kyler Fackrell's season of 14 QB pressures is the difference. So I don't want to turn this into a, uh, we need, we need uh, to, to re-sign Leonard Williams rant. I don't want to turn it into that. You did a good job of making it into a we need the resign letter Williams little segment right there. And in the edge rusher segment, we're not even talking about deep on the line. We're on the edge. No, but I think it really, it shows number one, oh. kind of how important he is. Oh, yeah. But also number two, the lack of production the Giants had at edge this year. But also number three, how insane it is that the Giants had such a lack of production at the edge spot, but still were practically an above-average defensive unit this year. What what hurt this unit the most was the moment Lorenzo Carter went down. The moment he went down is when this unit truly like went downhill. Like it was, it was already not the best unit in the world, but the moment he went down, because he it, it looked like he was on track to have like a career tight uh, his best season to date. At least his play was much better in the in the first half of the year than it has been in his previous two. But the moment he went down is the moment this this unit needed help. Yeah, and it's crazy because, you know, Carter was playing like 90% of the snaps. And we'll talk about it when we kind of get to him. But the Giants weren't valuing their edge rushers as guys as we typically think. Edge rusher as get to the quarterback. That was not the number one priority for how Joe Judge and this Patrick Graham staff use their guys. And, you know, we'll we'll kind of just kick off, you know, we'll, we'll kick off the segment kind of talking about this because, Danny, you mentioned it just a couple minutes ago. Marcus Golden just put out a tweet. Now, PFF had, you know, they were talking about how teammates accumulated for 50-plus pressures in 2020. And Marcus Golden had a total of 55 QB pressures this year, according to PFF. Now, they always overestimate QB pressures compared to pro football reference. We always use pro football reference whenever we're on Talking Giants. Um, and Reddick, his teammate in Arizona, they both had 55 QB pressures. Now, Marcus Golden quote tweets that tweet and says, Now, just imagine if New York would have let me play earlier in the season, shaking my head, which was like, whoa. 
after he, I, I didn't think there was animosity. I, actually, I'm not surprised there's animosity between the two because the Giants placed that tag on him that basically no other team wanted to sign him. And yeah. that was such like a, uh, I'm not sure. I can't think of an appropriate word to use, but uh, it, it definitely. It was, a, sa- it was a crappy thing, but it's also say, business. It was a business move. Oh, it's business move. I would I would say it's like a, more an SCU, and then you can find the other letter tad right next there, <laughs> and then uh, but see you next it, Tuesday. It, 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 it was a smart. It was a smart move, but for someone a player like Marcus Golden who had a his best year since that ACL surgery to come yep. back, be like, oh, I'm gonna get a nice contract, and then no teams are offering it to him, and then the Giants get like the big grin across their face, They're like, oh, we can screw him, and they place that tag on him, and it's like, we'll see you here in July, baby. And then he played thirty percent of the snaps, which is that was also the crazy part. You had a player that had over, you know, that had ten sacks, double digit sack guy the year before. And it wasn't even like he had double-digit sacks and he wasn't getting pressure on the QB. No, he was getting pressure on the QB. You know, hence why I loved Marcus Golden and I knew that he can do well. Similar to Leonard Williams, you know, Le- Leonard Williams was able to get pressure on the quarterback, but the only difference between Leonard Williams and Marcus Golden in 2019 is that 2019 Marcus Golden he finished the job and he got those sacks. Um, so it was very, very strange. And actually, he just liked my reply. Breaking news. Uh, I replied to Marcus Golden's tweet, and I said, good for you, big dog. Call him out and get your bag. And I, he, he liked the reply. I did respond. I did delete the tweet because I it was just not going to go over well. I responded with a who? and That's mean. <laughs> I deleted it because I was like, I'm going to get lambasted for this one. That's mean because you really, I mean, Danny, you look at the nine players accumulating in the nine, the nine and a half total sacks that Giants edge rushers had this year. 27 QB hits, 55 QB pressures. That is not a lot. <laughs> there are some players that put up those numbers like on their own. 55 QB pressures is a lot. But a you know, nine and a half uh, total sacks and 27 QB hits, that's not out of the question for one singular edge rusher to put up by themselves in a given season, in a given year. And Marcus Golden was our ba- was our best pass rusher, even at the time that which we traded him. So Let's talk. Let's start talking about the players, and then we can start, then we can continue talking about the Giants' coaches' philosophy of how they treated their edge rushers. So let's start off with Kyler Fackrell. Kyler Fackrell is 6'5", 245 pounds. Uh, he was drafted in the third round of the twenty sixteen NFL Draft. He is twenty nine years old. He just turned twenty nine in November this year. He played in twelve total games. He had four sacks, ten QB hits, seven tackles for loss. 34 tackles, 23 of them solo, and he had a total of 14 pressures. Um, Another significant stat is that he did have a 17% missed tackle rate. He had seven missed tackles, which is kind of a a decent amount, but I don't remember any glaring moments of saying, oh, Kyler Fackrell missed that tackle, and that that was bad. Um, And the total amount of snaps that he played was 55% of the total snaps in 12 games. He did miss some time um, due to an injury. So he missed those four games. Do we so, remember the injury? What, what I, was the injury in? I that's that's a good question. Because he just disappeared, and I was like, "Oh, Fackle's gone." <laughs> well, he was he was put. I think he was put on one of those. Oh, IR, lists yes, I forgot. He was the put IR on one of those IR, you know, those four game designations. So, Danny King, give me kind of like your thoughts on Kyler Kyler Fackrell's season, and we'll we'll talk about like what do we do because he was signed to a one year deal this past off season. So then we'll get to what do we what do we kind of do with him. Well, obviously, this was his first year back under Patrick Graham, and and when he was with Patrick Graham, that was like his best season to date. Like it was, 
by far, I think he had 10 and a half sacks. He had like Marcus Golden type numbers. And then obviously Green Bay went out and brought in Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, and his numbers went down. And so bringing Kyle Fackerel in made sense. And he wasn't awful by any stretch. He wasn't great. He wasn't like world beater, but he wasn't awful. He did what the Giants expect him to do. He got in, got some pressures, got some sacks, made some tackles, made some plays for a loss. He did what he had to do. He had that also that amazing INT. And I and I and I use everyone's favorite friend PFF. I didn't use their grades. No, the, there's will not be a mention of a grade on here. But I, I I wanted just to look at it, see like which side that he performed the best on. And majority of his snaps came from the right side, pass rushing wise. One got pass rushing. He had 166 pass rushes sacks. He got all four sacks from that side. Five hits, eight hurries. They gave him a pass rush pro- productivity grade of a 6.3. And for people who want to know what that is, I it's a rating that measures pressures created on a per-snap basis weighted with more towards sacks. So his right side was his best side, left side not the best, obviously. But he did what the Giants needed him to do. And I will be honest with you. Uh, I, I'm not sure if we're going to discuss accuracy. I can't speak English right now. But I would not be mad if he's brought back on a one-year deal or if they want to give a two-year team-friendly deal. I would be down for that because I don't know teams right now that are going to go out of their way and sign Kyla Fack, or at least I don't know what his market looks like at the moment. But he had a solid year by any stretch of the imagination. No, the edge rusher market in the NFL you know, right now and also – you know what what it has been in years past it's been suspect i mean you just asked Jadavion Clowney um Yannick Ngakwe has been traded to uh you know <laughs> how many NFL teams when he's looking for an NFL contract and he hasn't even got it yet he's still looking for his NFL contract and also just ask Marcus Golden how the NFL edge rusher market is so i am i think it's kind of essential to bring back Kyler Fackrell because he didn't have a Marcus Golden year where he should be looking for good money, right? He didn't have that year, so he shouldn't be looking for for good money. Now, in 12 games, I I think, you know, maybe if he plays on a 16-game rate, add another sack. You know, 12 games is 75% of the season, so if you have four sacks, you add another sack. You know, he was on pace for five sacks. You know, maybe add another, add maybe three QB hits in there for four games, maybe two QB hits, you know, to two to three, so that's 12 QB hits. You definitely want there to be a little bit more consistent pressure on the quarterback, but we also knew that heading into 20, you know, his his year that he had in 2018, the big year with Patrick Graham, he, he got a decent amount of sacks, but the consistent pressure on the quarterback wasn't really there. It wasn't like Leonard Williams was getting one and a half sacks, but he was having all these pressures and all these QB hits. No, Fackrell, when he got home, he got home. Like, you know, he was when he got when he hit the quarterback, he was getting a sacks. So we knew that heading into this year that Kyle Fackrell wasn't really gonna have a renaissance year of maybe getting like 30 QB pressures. But also what the Giants love about Kyle Fackrell and the reason why he got 55% of the snaps, and he was he was getting more snaps than Golden and O'Shane Zimenez, is they like balance. They like balance. You know, we're talking about getting to the quarterback, but Kyle Fackrell is probably the Giants viewed him just as valuable in terms of his ability to stop the run and be a versatile player you know, on first and second down as much as they maybe liked him on third down in terms of that's what Patrick Graham wanted to do and that's what Joe Judge wants. They talk about versatility all the time. They truly showed it personified in who they decided to give the snaps to, especially early in the season. And I also and I also think what also hurt Marcus Golden in the long term was he didn't have the preseason to go out there and show like Patrick Graham that he's better than Kyler Fackrell because yeah. Patrick Graham has a better relationship with Kyler Fackrell than he does with Marcus Golden, and Marcus Golden was on the Giants for one man and one man only. It was his for James Betcher. If James Betcher wasn't here, Marcus Golden would be a Giant. And that's just a fact of life. 
Now, obviously, the Giants, it, I, I think you should bring it back because he already knows the system. He, he's a safety piece. You know what you're going to get from him. There is one guy. There is one guy out there that I would take the risk on if it means losing out on Marcus Gold, not Marcus Golden. What's his name? Kyler Fackrell. Kyler Fackrell. His name's Bud Dupree. I look mm. at it from this point of view. Giants signed Marcus Golden coming off that nasty injury. He came out, had a career, uh, had his best season to date, or it was a great bounce back year. Bud Dupree, low risk, high reward. High reward, high risk. You sign him, mm-hmm. he may be terrible. He may be not the player he once was. He was, if he's still the same, then you you got to see yourself a solid edge rusher. This is dependent on I, he's not Pittsburgh's not bringing it back because Pittsburgh is paying Ben Roethlisberger forty three million a year, which is outrageous. So if you can't get Bud Dupree, you get Kyler Fackrell. If you can get Bud Dupree, you get you 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 bring him in. No doubt in my mind. I think Bud Dupree has a little bit better of a resume versus Kyle Fackrell. So, I mean, I think you would have to spend a little bit more. But you're totally right about the whole second year coming off your tour in ACL. I've said it a million times on this podcast, the fantasy football data. And, you know, I don't look at a ton of fantasy football data, but I look at the stuff that actually matters. And this is the stuff that matters. Your second year coming off your tour in ACL, that's usually when you have your career best year. So, hey, you know, Bud Dupree. Um, I don't know if the Giants, do the Giants value him as a as a two-way player? That's the only thing. I, I really don't think the Giants are going to pay a guy unless you're a two-way player. If you're just a pass rusher, then they're not they're not really going to invest that much in you. And that's why I think when we, you know, when we kind of move on to Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez, you know, kind of just put the bow on Kyle Fackrell, I think it's kind of essential that you bring him back because of the options, the other options that are available at edge this offseason, including free agency and the draft, the limited options at edge, might I add, but then also... Because you have two other players, Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez, that are pr- pretty much coming off of major injuries themselves. So we'll go to so we'll go to Lorenzo Carter. Lorenzo Carter, 6'5", 250 pounds. He is 25 years old. He was drafted in the third round, 66 overall in the 2018 NFL draft. Lorenzo Carter obviously had a short season, but I still think he very much left the mark, like you said earlier in the episode, Danny. Lorenzo Carter, he had one sack, four QB hits, seven pressures, and 23% of the total defensive snaps in four games. He kind of started five, but he got hurt very, very early in that Cowboy game. He was playing about, like, 90% of the snaps. There was one game where he had 65% of the snaps. Um, but there was a point where he was playing like 90% of the snaps, Danny. Kind of give me give me some thoughts on Lawrence Carter's season, how you know, the the mark that he left on you and where where you kind of view him right now, even coming off of injury. Uh twenty nineteen, I, I predicted his uh twenty nineteen, I said that's gonna be his year. No, it wasn't. It was not the best of years for Lorenzo Carter. It was a step back from twenty eighteen. Then twenty twenty, I was like, Oh, this dude's having a year. And then the Achilles injury happened. The Giants pastor, as I said, it took a dip with when he went down and that's my concern right now it's not like acl injuries those suck you could come back from them though Achilles injuries are something totally different we don't know what he's lost because he's lost something did he lose some speed did he lose some mobility like what did he lose it's an injury that is devastating and it's one that you lose something from it what did he lose and i know i saw in your thing you talked about like it could lorenzo carter be considered like a free agent sign in a way like him and ocean you wrote something along those lines i'll let you explain that but Lorenzo Carter, I do have my concerns with him. I love the guy. He's my, he's, he's my Michael Strahan because of the teeth. But there is serious concern I have about Lorenzo Carter. It's upsetting. It, it was a great play. He was a great player last year. And, and when he went down, it was devastated because he was our one, the best edge rusher we had. 
But what has he lost? And that's something we're going to have to figure out in OTAs if they happen in training camp. Name me another player that's better during like, you know, this year, you know, we had training camp. We saw the scrimmages. Name me a better player in training camp and scrimmages than Mark. Than, I keep on saying Marcus Golden. It's because I love him. Name me a better player than Lorenzo Carter. You can't. Corey Coleman. Mutes microphone quickly. Um, we were we were calling. Hey, I, the, my favorite thing about the Talking Giants account during the summer is whenever, whenever oh, yeah. we would call Lorenzo Carter, Carter the next LT. Lawrence Taylor. Uh, whenever every sack he had, I I just said, "Oh, there goes Lawrence Taylor again, <laughs> dominating the game." And everyone's have, like, "That's Lorenzo Carter." Have you watched? Have you ever watched football? And people thinking that you're serious, and then they go on like a huge rant about you know we don't the what what is Twitter? How many Twitter? How many characters is Twitter? Two eighty. Well, they go on a two hundred and seventy nine character rant about did you ever watch Lawrence Taylor? Lawrence Taylor is the greatest football player to ever live. Oh my god! That <laughs> uh, was my at the moment he went down. That was honestly the saddest thing about that. Not that his detours Achilles. The moment it was me thinking, man. I can't do Lawrence Taylor jokes anymore. You, you, you're really choosing violence. But really, Lorenzo Carter's season, I think a, a, most of it was impressive. And I'm not going to say, I'm not going to come out here and say Lorenzo Carter's impressive four-game stretch. Now, included one sack, you know, and included a QB hit in three of them. And he didn't have a QB hit in the Rams game. Uh, he didn't. He didn't really stat the, s- stuff the stat sheet that much. He also had two tackles for loss. I don't know if I said the two tackles for loss in in his total for the season, but um, Lorenzo. I don't want to say he was the beneficiary of playing like ninety percent of the snaps, but he kind of was. But I'm also not going to fault him for the Giants' coaching staff valuing him as a versatile player that can play 90% of the snaps. That's kind of big. You usually don't see players that are, you know, edge rushers, pass rushers that are out there for every snap. You know, especially the defensive linemen are constantly rotating in and out. You have your situational pass rushers. You have your situational packages. uh, I keep on saying Marcus Golden. Lorenzo Carter was ultimately part of all of those packages, including, you know, I think this coaching staff especially appreciated his ability to play in coverage as well. So, Danny, it's such a good point you bring up with the Achilles injury because it's it, it's I'm not smart enough to really be like oh well he's just gonna come back from injury and I, and you oh I'm not either it. or maybe I'm completely wrong and he just comes back and is like literally the next Lawrence Taylor I don't know no but no but an Achilles injury is is for real like that that is a thing that is definitely that is definitely for real so my whole point is and we can talk about this with O'Shane Zimenez too because O'Shane Zimenez is another guy with very limited production and even when he was playing for the team. He he didn't get a ton of snaps, and that was the main difference between O'Shane Zimenez and Lorenzo Carter's year. They were both very short, but Lorenzo Carter was getting like 90% of the snaps. There wasn't a game where O'Shane Zimenez started and he got more than 60% of the snaps. So we'll talk about him, and then I want to talk about both of them collectively together, Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane, and their, and their role in 2021. So O'Shane Zimenez... O'Shane Zimenez, 6'4", 252 pounds. Uh, he's 24 years old. He was drafted in the third round, 95th overall in the 2019 NFL Draft. His 2020 season was, like I said, was very short. No sacks, five total tackles, four of them solo. One tackle for loss, three QB hits. Still found a way to play 11% of the defensive snaps, which, yes, that is more than a lot of the other guys that we have listed here. That's more than Nico Lelos. That's more than Cam Brown. That's more than Carter Coughlin, I believe. So 11% of the defensive snaps. Danny, he, he was actually putting together like solidly productive games, which now I'm, I, I've kind of forgot to, I didn't read his off his, his advanced stuff. So 
O'Shane Zimenez, three QB hits, five QB pressures, 11% and four, 11% of the snaps in four games. There was not a single game where he got more than 60% of the snaps. So I think O'Shane Zimenez was going to have one of those years where maybe even if he didn't get the sacks, right? Because if he wasn't getting the pass rushing opportunities, he wasn't really going to accumulate the sacks. But I think he was, I think we were going to really look back at O'Shane's year. Let's just say the depth chart stays totally intact. Lorenzo Carter doesn't get hurt. Fackrell doesn't get hurt. Um, even if Golden's traded, right? Because we were losing at that point. Golden could have been traded for a six-round pick. Sure. I think I think we would have ended the season saying O'Shane Zimenez had a solid year with the amount of pressures, with the amount of consistent pressure that he got on the quarterback. Now, it's such a low sample size, and it was such a low total snap share that he had where it's not fair to say that would have worked over 16 games. But I'm, I'm still not ready to say that O'Shane Zimenez is not going to work for the team. Yeah, you, you can't say he's going to work for the team, and you can't say he's not going to work because we haven't seen much on him. I, I think the long-term goal for the Giants was, if no injuries happened between him and Carter, that Carter was going to be on the right side, Zimenez is on the left side, they would have Fackrell start, and then slowly Fackrell would lose his snaps to Zimenez and give him that experience because you look at it, he had 30 pass rushes snaps on the left side, 25 on the right, so he was playing more on the left side when he was using in the pass rush game. But the jury's just still out on him. He's how many total round. pass rushing snaps did he have? Uh oh boy, quick math here. Five, uh, five, and then fifty-five. Fifty-five. He had a total of fifty-five, and let's see how many total snaps did he play this year? He played one hundred and ten. So it was so he did have slightly more, you know, snaps where he was defending the run versus rushing the yeah. passer. But obviously, when you put out, you know, most of the time when you put out a player. Um, I mean, you can kind of predict what's going to happen if you put a guy, if you put out a player on third down, he's largely going to be rushing the passer, right? Because third down is a throwing down. So I thought it would be a little bit more overwhelming, but clearly, you know, he and here's the wild thing: you know, the Giants were not viewing O'Shane Zimenez as a full-time starter when, frankly, you know, Bobby and I we were talking over the summer in our PPPs, our player profile and projections. You know, what we were talking about was. O'Shane Zimenez has to be the guy to take that next step. We don't think it was we didn't think it was going to be Lorenzo Carter because we thought that O'Shane Zimenez was the more natural pass rusher, but the Giants value two-way players. So Danny, here's my main question to you. You alluded to it earlier. Because of the weak market that is present for edge rushers in free agency. Yes, Shaq Barrett's out there. Uh, don't think the Giants are going to get him. Um <laughs> Bud Dupree's out there, which that's a that's a fair that's a fair possibility if the Giants view him as a fit, right? I know Shaq Lawson. People like to talk about Shaq Lawson too, and even in the draft, where you know where where's the edge rusher that's really gonna you know maybe change you know change what the Giants are doing? You know, do the Giants really want to take another gander on a second on a second or a third round? Oh, I would even like a second round edge rusher. Do the Giants really want to take another gander on a third or a fourth round edge rusher and just hoping that he can eventually develop? question mark you know I I don't know if they want to do that so Danny do the Giants view because of the weak edge market that is in the draft and free agency this year do the Giants view Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez getting them back from injury as free agent acquisitions I think they can spin it they could spin it in that way but here's my problem Carter Achilles we already went over that O'Shane here here's my thing I was joking about D3 before Old Dominion's D3. He wasn't playing against the best of competition. That's just a fact of life. He wasn't playing the greatest competition. He was great at Old Dominion, but now we're in the NFL. There is a player out there. You look at the likes of Rashad Weaver. 
a solid player out of Pitt University. I think I had him mocked in the second, maybe late first, I believe. I don't call me on that. That's a solid option to replace either O'Shane or Carter. Or there's the edge out of uh, Miami, not not Gregory, uh, Jalen Phillips, who filled in for Gregory and had a great year, but there's a history of concussions. He had nasty injuries when he was at UCLA. He retired from football. He came back in 2020 in that role. I They could spin it that way, but there's no shot the Giants should feel comfortable. Lorenzo Carter on Achilles injury. O'Shane Zimenez, not not off a serious injury, but hasn't showed the world yet that he can be what the Giants want him to be. They can't feel over, overly confident that he's their guy. Also, my next thing with O'Shane Zimenez, why did he wait so long for that shoulder surgery? Why did they hold it off? Strange. It, it, yeah, it was very strange because it was... I actually made a five keys to victory video. O'Shane Zimenez is going to play. He was like a key to he was like a key to victory for the for for that game that he was going to come back, and then it's like nope, like it, we're we're electing for surgery. So it, it had to be something like last minute where they thought he can come back. He thought that we can do it. We thought that we can do it, and then he might have gotten some tests um, the day before the game, which that's what it was. We got the news the day before the game, and then he might have reaggravated something during rehab, and then he had to get the surgery. So. No, it had to be something like that because the Giants, they, they would shouldn't, if that was the case, they must have expected to come back. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, yeah, I can't. The doctor said, no, ain't possible. Yeah. But t- to answer your question, they can spin it that way. But the Giants right now with their edge rusher positions, if they if they trot that out there and say these guys could get the job done, I don't believe them right now. I don't think they have another choice. Now, I'm not really viewing – in my there was a there was a PFF tweet – and I actually really like this, and I should have I should have bookmarked it. We we didn't have a lot of time to prep for this episode, so you know we're <laughs> we're we, you're you're in it with us. But I'm enjoying we, this we conversation. Respect, we respect the edge guys. We respect you guys. You're very important we, to the team. We do. No, it, it's this is honestly such a very very important conversation, especially because as it relates to what do you do with Dalvin? What do you do with Leonard Williams? Do you bring both of those guys back? If you bring both of those guys back, how does it impact what you could possibly do at the edge spot in free agency? Because then you're basically looking at the draft, but really there's nobody at 11 that that really is going to, you know, really sway the needle at all in terms of, you know, are, are we, is anybody at edge going to dissuade us from picking either a stud cornerback uh, Kyle Pitts or a stud wide receiver, right? You know, those are the options right now. Uh, or Micah Parsons, if if you like Micah Parsons, right? Which Micah Parsons, a lot of people say that he can go at edge, but I don't see it. Like I don't, I I don't see that. I don't want. I Parsons don't. On you this you did something. Team. You did. So- what did you just say? I said I don't want Parsons on this football team. You don't want Parsons on the football no, team. No, 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 no. I don't want him anywhere near this. Yeah, I, and I I also don't. Not get for his it. play. Not for his play. Let's well, I, I I don't know. Was that all like confirmed? We'll talk you know, draft month. We'll that, talk that, about that, Micah that's Parsons. draft of conversation. Yeah. Well, the but Giants still, have an inside with Sean Clifford, so he would know best about Micah Parsons. They do, but still, I don't like the idea of drafting a player at eleven and then it's like, okay, we're gonna ask you to change positions now. Um, don't. It's like the same thing with Isaiah Simmons. It's like, do you have a position or do you not have a position in the NFL? I think they just may have to pitch it. I think that's what they may have to do. Um, or just again talk themselves into another second round, third round, fourth round edge rusher and say, we hope that he develops. And Dave Gettleman actually has the good point of, uh, now I, I think this is a good point or it could just be an excuse for lack of developing players because of how young these guys are. And we're going to get to somebody who's really young in Cam Brown. Cam Brown and Carter Coffin are both very young. Carter Coffin's 23. Cam Brown is 22. I am older than Cam Brown. 
I am older than him. He, he was born in April of 1998. I was born in March of 1998, which is nuts, which is crazy. So he has the point because guys are graduating school earlier and they're coming into the NFL earlier. Dave Gettleman says this, that they need like their three years. Like it's not, it's not year two that they're, that they rock and roll. It's really year three. And that's why it's so unfortunate that, you know, we lost Lorenzo Carter, which year three, it really did look like, Hey, Dave Gettleman was kind of right. He was kind of coming onto the scene and O'Shane Zimenez. It's unfortunate that he lost that year of development. Um, But just looking at the options that the giants have, I'm scared where they we may just have to believe that Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez are the guys. All right, let's take a break and talk about Manscaped. Is there anything better than the fresh mowed grass at the ballpark on opening day? Baseball is coming up soon. John Boy Media, kind of known for being a baseball company. How about freshly groomed balls? Balls uh, with a Z. Our sponsors at Manscaped, the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming, are here to help you strike out your bush for good. It's a whole new balls game, folks. I like to play on words. It's a whole new balls game, folks. And Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code GIANTS at manscaped.com. Uh, Manscaped, thank you for sending us uh, some some really cool gear, some really cool stuff, especially the Lawnmower 3.0. It's kind of changed the way that we are doing men's grooming. So thank you very much. Send it to both uh, all Danny, Bobby, and myself, Justin. So thank you so much. Lawnmower 3.0 has changed our lives. They also have a lot of other really good products like the Crop Preserver. It's like a ball deodorant that keeps your ball from sticking. <laughs> it keeps your ball. It keeps your balls from sticking to your legs. I mean, some people only got one ball. I mean, it must be tough for them. Hope it's the left one, because I think that hangs lower than the right one. All right, but anyway, thank you to Manscaped. They've been sponsoring some shows. Thank you so much. It's really changed our lives, the stuff that they sent us. They also sent us a nice shirt. Manscaped.com. Use promo code GIANTS to get 20% off and free shipping on any product and any purchase that you purchase on the website. If you use that promo code, you support us. So do it. We love you. And back to your regularly scheduled program. I, I am telling you though, for the people who like who like spend their time and do watch draft content because they're insane people, watch Rashad Weaver. See what he I, he I, my mocked had him in the fourth round. He he was solid for Pitt this year. Jalen Phillips, like I said, the injuries did harm him, and he probably will be a late first, early day two type of guy. But I'm telling you, there are two solid players that you can get if you don't th- there's no reason for the giants if the, if weaver is on the board you take him and then you either replace carter or zimenez going into camp what a convo what a what a and it's and again it's so crazy that the giants defense as a whole was able to main productive despite the top 4 guys on the depth chart there was one. There was a solid stretch of games in the middle of the season there, Danny, where it was their top four guys: Carter, Golden, Zimenez, and and uh, Carter. Uh, fact. F- oh my God. It was what Dezedra? You can't you can't get the name. I am. I got Marcus Golden on the brain because I love him. Um, Marcus. Let's try it again. Marcus Golden, Lorenzo Carter, Kyler Fackrell, and O'Shane Zimenez. The top four guys. They they were not on the team. They just were not active, and they were not on the team, um, which is crazy how the defense was still able to remain productive, which is why the main point after that Seattle Seahawks game was really all this defense needs to be elite is an edge rusher. Like, that was the, that was the main point after that Seahawks game. You know, we weren't thinking about Daniel Jones because he wasn't playing. 
you know, we were praising the defense, but the one thing we were saying is this defense needs an edge rusher and we are there. And I still believe that, but I just don't know what the options are this offseason. I, I know this obviously doesn't happen in football, but I mean, if I'm the Giants, I'm testing the trademark and seeing what's going on out there because teams are going to want to cut players. I know the Giants aren't in a position to really go after. I mean, who? Uh, that's turn- the thing. I, I, that, that's the thing. I don't know, but investigate <laughs> the trade market. Yeah. Because there's going to be players out there that wouldn't be available in a regular year. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, who, who knows? The Giants are Giants are competing for an NFC East title next year. And there's an there's an edge rusher like a like a like a Marcus Golden, and we can get him for you know a, a sixth round pick, a fifth round pick. If the Giants are in a position like that next year, um, sign me up. Sign oh, I understand. But also knowing that I don't know if the Giants would want to trade for a, a one dimensional pass rusher. They wouldn't who just get to the quarterback. So even though that's kind of like what we need, okay? Because we're the, we're the New York Giants. We don't do any crazy stuff. We don't. We don't. Hey, but if we're if we're in a win now mode, Joe Judge is gonna slap his uh slap his dong on the table. Um, willing to bet. Carter Coughlin, Carter Coughlin, Danny King. I like Carter Coughlin. Good player. Carter Coughlin, 6'3", 236 pounds, age twenty three. He was drafted in the seventh round of the twenty twenty NFL Draft, two hundred eighteenth overall. Danny, in 2020, he had 17 total tackles, 13 solo tackles, two tackles for loss, two QB QB hits, one sack, and five total QB pressures, and he played a total of 18% of the total snaps this year. So I was wrong. O'Shane Zimenez did not have more snaps than, um, did not have more snaps than Carter Coughlin. He did have more snaps than Cam Brown, Nico Lelos, um, and everybody like that. So... I thought he had a good year. I mean, there's not a lot to kind of say about Carter Coffin because he, you know, didn't get a ton, a ton of the snaps and he didn't get a ton of opportunities. But one of the things that I have to say about Carter Coughlin is that he was asked to do a lot more than just rush the passer. Like, you know, coming out of college, we we a lot of people were saying he is really kind of solely a pass rusher. He doesn't really do a lot of other stuff. And meanwhile, I, I look at that Seattle game because that was the game where the Giants had nobody at edge nobody you know they had Jabal Sheard they had Carter Coughlin they had Cam Brown and they were using David Mayo out on the edge too because they just had no they needed somebody who was going to stop the run right so Carter Coughlin was playing disciplined he was making he was taking really good angles he was making some great plays so for a seventh round pick I like what we have in him and I like how he is a really good depth piece on this team right now Oh, no, he's a great depth piece. I mean, the two games he did start, it was his worst graded performances on the year. So, obviously, take that. But that when he was playing, though, he made some great plays. That one clip I showed in the Bengals game, it was something so simple. He faked the pass rush. He had Jonah Williams sold hook, yep. line, and sinker. Uh, Carl Banks, and I, I might have been Bob Popper. It could have been John Schmielk. I don't know who it was. But they were showing like him like having a good game, a play against uh, Jonah Williams where like he beat him in a pass rush situation. Carter Conflin, for a seventh-round rookie, is spectacular. You, you like usually those players like who I'm trying to think of Big George. George has the FIFO, however you say his name. He's not even on the team. That was just a shot yeah. in the dark. That that was just Giants get they took a shot and it so far it looked like the Giants might have something in Carter Coughlin. So you can't ask for anything more than what Carter Coughlin did and maybe give him a year or two, like you said, the year three situation. Mm-hmm. But I am excited for what Carter Coughlin's future holds. The thing was is that, you know, he was drafted as an edge rusher and he had, you know, a very, very productive college career where he, you know, he had a lot of experience and he did put a lot of production and stats on the board during his time in Minnesota. 
and then he comes here, and when he does get the opportunities, the things that he's doing, the high IQ plays, you know, again, taking good angles even in the run game, um, those are the things, you know, in the limited opportunities that he got, those are the things that kind of give you a little bit of hope. It's like, oh, if you can develop and if you can get stronger, if you can get quicker, if you can get faster, if you can continue to adjust to the NFL game, because I think that was main, you know, that was the main reason why he was a seventh round guy, you know. He had very, he kind of had low key similar production to Chase Young. That was the thing that was always going around during the draft. But it's like okay, um, Chase Young is a different breed of an athlete than Carter Coughlin. So let's stop with this silly comparison. So if if he can get a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit faster, a little bit quicker, maybe he could take a step up. But it's a guy that again, I, I'm not I'm not going into the year banking on Carter Coughlin as like yeah he's gonna be like our number three edge rusher. I'm not banking on that. But if you if you are, you're insane. Let's make that because people. I think Giants fans at times forget like when a player has a great year, like oh this guy's the next big thing, but it's like he's a seventh round, seventh round. Yeah, can't expect the world from him. No, it's good to have depth, and you know that's that's the one thing that we're hoping to somehow get at edge. But low key, if I'm if I'm saying Runger Carter, O'Shane Zimenez, we're gonna have to pitch them as free agent signings just because there's no other options that we have. Giants only have six. Giants only have six draft picks this year. Um, we may have to put a little bit more faith in the Carter Coughlin than we thought. So anything else they have on Carter Coughlin? These these final guys are going to be very, very quick. Yeah, a versatile player. Yeah. You, can, you, got, you cannot like Carter Coughlin. Yeah. Speaking of a guy, I don't know. I liked, I enjoyed watching Carter Coughlin more, but I guess I'm not so surprised by what Carter Coughlin did and you know, the, the season that he kind of had, because we were, we were expecting maybe Carter Coughlin to have some flashes, which he did, but a player I was not expecting to have any kind of flashes was Cam Brown. Cam Brown, as I load up his page, Cam Brown, who is 6'5", 233 pounds, he's huge, 6'5", 233 pounds, April 1st, 1998, like I said, he's 22 years old, he's, uh, he's, I am a month older than Cam Brown, which is crazy, he was drafted in the sixth round, 183rd overall of the 2020 NFL Draft, he had on the season no sacks, one forced fumble, 12 tackles total, eight solo, zero tackles for loss, three quarterback hits, and a total of Four QB pressures, and he played 8% of the snaps. Danny King um, was not expecting much out of Cam Brown. We didn't really exactly know what position he was going to play. Was he going to play on the inside? Was he going to play interior linebacker? Was he going to play out on the edge? Danny, can you pull up the PFF um, snap breakdown for, for Cam Brown in terms of how many snaps he did at inside, how many snaps he did at edge rusher? Or I think most of it had to be edge. That's kind of like what we thought when we drafted him. Uh, for the D, it says, uh, he played a total of 87 snaps on the D line. Uh, that's all it's telling me. That's true. Does, does it just have, doesn't have the edge position. They do that for offense. That's so they, strange. They, they, they do have him marked though as an edge. Okay. All right. Yeah, that or, makes sense. Oh, wait, hang on. Detailed positions. Yeah. Hang on. They had to have it. I got it. 55 as left outside linebacker, 32 as uh, right outside linebacker. So he didn't play inside at all? No. Uh, No, doesn't have him as down inside. Yeah, because that's what he did at Penn State. So we had the expectation heading into the year that he was going to solely be an edge rusher, but again, a very much a developmental piece, right? Um, The plays that I remember Cam Brown making are hustle plays. So it's not like, it's not like Carter Coughlin where... I'm like, oh, that that is like a smart, savvy play, vet play by you. 
right? But the only plays that I remember Cam Brown making are he's really running, he's really trying to run somebody down and show his athleticism. And that's really it. You know, I'm, I'm sure Bobby would tell you, you know, he's more of a film guy. He would tell you, oh, Cam Brown made this play in this game. Um, but I remember just Cam Brown having an effort plays. Sorry, Cam Brown. I, I, I remember during the, the pre-draft process, I fell in love with Cam Brown. And I remember I mocked him in uh, my mock draft in 2020, but before a, a certain website got deleted and I couldn't back it up. But uh, that's neither here or there. Uh Cam Brown, yeah, you, what people said he still had to develop from his like technique perspective, but I mean, what the Giants got out of Cam Brown, it's reason to believe he played the special teams position well. That's how uh, what's his name, De- Lorenzo Carter made his name via special teams. Yeah, back in April uh, twenty twenty, I, I I just put out like Cam Brown as someone that intrigues me, and he did just that. He I, right now, do I have more faith in let's say Cam Brown or Carter Coughlin? I got Carter Coughlin with more yeah. faith. But Cam Brown is certainly a good depth piece to have, and you can't go wrong, as you said, with having depth. And Cam Brown could be that guy. He's not a world beater. He's not going to be a, one of those outside linebackers that dominates the NFL. He'll make his plays here and there. In the in the Baltimore Ravens game, he made that like key uh that uh, the running back cut outside. He he like chop blocks his knees almost or like mm-hmm. clothesline them, I should say. That was a huge play right there. He made hustle plays. He made plays when needed, and he gave the Giants what they need—a special teams guy that they can run out onto the field for defense he's got a 34 inch wingspan that's nuts oh he's he's a freak he's an athletic freak and he's another guy where you're hoping that he can add some muscle you know you're that that was also a thing you know uh hoping he can add some muscle you know he's a big frame so um rooting for you cam brown I, i i'm more invested in carter coughlin um but i definitely think cam brown played more out of necessity this year versus actual like Hey, it's your skill that's going to get you on the field at this point. We weren't really putting a lot of stock into Cam Brown before the year, but that just goes to show you know, if, the, you know, if this coaching staff can maybe get their hands on these guys for a full offseason, right? For a full OTAs, for a full spring, mini camp, training camp, et cetera, you know, maybe these guys can develop into something here um, and maybe we have something. But I'm not willing to put my money on that Cam Brown is going to turn into something. Um, Danny, we have. We'll mention one of the players in passing, but we have two more players to talk about. We'll go quick. But I want to spend some time on the legend of Nico Lelos. The legend that was Nico Lelos this year. So he was he's a defensive end. He's an edge rusher, 6'5", 270 pounds. Um, he was an undrafted free agent out of Dartmouth. Um, the main thing that attracted me to Nico Lelos was the fact that he was also a long snapper. So the Giants signed another guy, <laughs> we had how many guys over the offseason? It became a running joke of how many guys over the offseason could snap the ball. Um, but no, Nico Lelos, he was he was solid undrafted free agent out of Dartmouth, small school. Um, and he came on, burst through the scenes um, because LeBron, LeBron James partially gave him that retweet. Um, you, Danny, you probably tell this. You probably tell the story a little bit better, a little bit better than I can. He comes in Cincinnati, um, has the interception, has the pass deflection. Um, and just forced to turn over in like every game that he played. And it was awesome. I have one thing written down for Nico Lelos. One whole thing. It's legend. That's all you need to know about the guy. He's a legend. He is. <laughs> that that that's all you need to know about Nico Lelos. He made plays uh, when called upon. He's LeBron he's the most famous athlete in Cleveland next to LeBron James. He's from Ohio. Yeah. Oh, from Ohio. That was just honestly a guess in the dark. I just didn't know how they were LeBron even knew. I'm surprised LeBron even somehow knew Nico Lelos. Well, 
how did how did you think that that happened? <laughs> I don't know. I thought LeBron was just a big Nico Lelos guy. Like LeBron in college, he, he LeBron like watches film all night. He's like Nico Lelos. I like that guy. He's got to be something. <laughs> this is the hill I'm gonna die on this year. <laughs> Nico freaking Lelos. I think LeBron James just gave that good luck. I mean, hey, as the as the second greatest basketball player of all time. Notice how when you LeBron stopped talking about Nico Lelos, Nico Le- Lelos's play deteriorated. It's true. He didn't. He didn't. The, the second LeBron James stopped talking about Nico Lelos, he did not force a turnover in like every game that he played. So what you're <laughs> telling me is we need to pay LeBron James to tweet about the Giants every day. Um, cameo. Does LeBron James do a cameo? No shot, but if he did, I feel like he would charge an outrageous price. I would pay as much money as humanly possible. Uh, well, we would all pitch in. We would all pitch in. I make I make snacks pitch in. I make Danny Behan pitch in. I make you pitch in. Bobby would pitch in. Um, we make Ms. Brownstone. Everybody would chip in, right? Patreon chat would chip in, and we would all pay for a cameo by LeBron James. Then we would air. We would play it on so you know we would post it on social media every week. Oh, hey, Nico. You're a great man, Ohio bros. You're going to first turnover this Sunday. And he did. For t- it, it was good for two weeks. We, we figured out how to fix Nico Lelos. I'm, I'm going to DM LeBron. We're buddies. There you go. Um, he had a pass deflection, interception, fumble recovery the next week against Seattle. Which technically, what what happened? Something happened. Didn't something happen with Darnay Holmes? Like Darnay Holmes had like some sort oh, Was that the interception? That was in Cincinnati. Yeah, Darnay tipped it and then I believe it. Ended Nico up in Nico Lelos's arms. Yeah. And Which so we, technically... We gave all the credit to Nico. It should have really gone to Darnay, but oh. it was Nico Lelos, so we had to get excited. But it was the legend of Nico Lelos. I love it. Not putting any stock in him, if anybody's wondering. No, not... not I, I expect literally... I, I, I'm i going to be honest with you. He, he's probably never going to make the team next year. <laughs> it's <just laughs> it's so he, unfortunate. Yeah, he's going to be practice squad, maybe, at, at minimum. We, we, can't, we can't pay LeBron James all no. this money if he's not going to make the team. No, if he makes the team, we will somehow get LeBron James to shout out Nico Lelos. Oh, man. All right. Last, but no, not not last. Second to last. Not the, la- least. the last important one. The last important one. Jabal Sheard um, came over. He played two teams this year. Um, came over from Jacksonville. Had a total of 19 combined tackles this year. Uh, Ten of them solo, two tackles for loss, four QB hits, and those numbers were reflective of what he did with the Giants. I don't think he didn't play. He played one game with the Jaguars, had a forced fumble, but didn't have any tackles. So good for good for him, at least according to Pro Football Reference. Um, he did have a sack and a half with the Giants. He had eight total pressures. So I thought Jabal Sheard was kind of good. I, I thought he was, you know, he, obviously when you're wearing Justin Tuck's number and you do good things, things are going to stick out in your mind a little bit more. But I thought for a guy that we just kind of like picked off the street because we really just needed a body at edge rusher, I kind of enjoyed Jabal Sheridan, what he was able to do and how he was able to be like a two-way kind of good, versatile player. We said it made sense to bring Kyler Fackrell back. It makes so much sense to bring back Jabal, uh, crap, how do you say his last name, Sherid? Sheard. 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 Uh, but yeah, the guy provided the Giants what they needed. When injuries happened, he went out there and he played solid. He made plays when needed. He's someone the Giants should honestly consider bringing back. Like my Bud Dupree thing, that's not happening most likely. Bring back Kyla Fackrell, bring back Jabal Sheard, and you got yourself depth. And then you got to hope and pray Lorenzo Carter is still halfway decent. I know Shane Simenez can actually play at an NFL level, but I, I would... I would be disappointed if that was our unit, 
But I wouldn't once again be like, oh, God, this unit's awful. I would be like, okay, maybe they can hold their own. And last but not least, as I load up his pro football reference page, Trent Harris. Trent Harris, 6'2", 255 pounds. He's 25 years old. Thought he was a lot older than that. Played on two teams in his NFL career, 2019 with Miami. So you have the Patrick Graham connection there the previous year. Um, Trent Harris this year with the Giants played in four games. He started two games, had a half a sack, five total tackles, one solo tackle, no tackles for loss, one QB hit. And he did have one lonely, lonely pressure. I I didn't even remember Trent Harris was on this team. I didn't know who Trent Harris was until you mentioned him. Not going to lie. And we, we covered all the edge rushers that finished the season on the Giants. Yeah. We didn't cover Marcus Cole because that's like, that's like a Bobby Skinner rule. Bobby Skinner does not review like players that are traded. Like the season that last year, when Janoris Jenkins was released, we did not review him for the cornerback review. I'm like, why are we not reviewing him? He played the majority of the snaps. He's like, no, he didn't end. The, he didn't really end the year. End the year on the team. So, um, there you go. Trent Harris. Just uh, I don't know what you're gonna do. I don't know where your home is. <laughs> home ain't where the heart is. It's good. A uh, it's good. Shania, Shania Twain song. All right, Danny King. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I, I thought this was a fun time. I thought this was a fun show. Okay. Thanks for watching, everybody. Peace, 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 peace. Keep on talking Giants. Keep on bleeding blue. That's what I was about to say because I'm so used to saying that. We will see you on Thursday, Friday. Thursday if you're the Patreon chat. Friday if you're the regular crew. We'll see you then. Don't know what we're doing. We may do a Daniel Jones review. We may not. I don't know. It depends on where, where Bobby's at. And let's go. Big Blue.